You're listening to RTI Audio, powered by Rocky Top Insider. This is the RTI Press Pass with Rick Butler and Ryan Shumpert. And welcome into the Rocky Top Insider Press Pass Podcast. My name is Rick Butler, joined to my left, as always, by my good friend, Ryan Shumpert. Today is Wednesday, October the 5th. We are making our way through the middle of the college football season. And, hey, look, right on the horizon is basketball season as well. There's a lot going on here in Knoxville, Tennessee, but we hope you're doing well out there. We hope you are enjoying your fall, enjoying all the sports that are going on. Because I know, Ryan, I I don't want to speak for you here, but I think I can certainly say that we definitely are. Yeah, definitely. And it's it's a lot, but it's it's a lot of fun as well. And you got two basketball teams in the Vols and the Lady Vols that – uh, have a lot of promise and a lot of excitement around it, and certainly uh, no need, no reason to mention, but or not have to remind anybody, but more excitement and, and optimism around the Tennessee football program than there's been <laughs> in a long time. And uh, a really big game Saturday, and you know uh, we'll get into a lot of it, but it's kind of like you know when's the last time Tennessee's gone on the road to one of the big six, or, or I guess it's big seven out at Texas A&M's in the league teams, and they've been the favorite, and they've kind of been hunted, and it's been a really big game for the opponent they're playing. That hasn't happened a lot. Uh, in a long time. So pretty cool opportunity for Tennessee this weekend and lots of stuff for uh, us to get to and lots of stuff for us to write about, which is always great. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a marquee matchup here in the middle of the year. I think that a lot of folks had this game circled on the calendar for one reason or another. For a lot of folks, it's just because, like you said, Ryan, LSU is a big-time marquee matchup. And on the other hand, we kind of figure that, hey, if Tennessee can get rolling by this point in the year, this is going to be a really good kind of telling point right about where this Tennessee team is coming off the bye week but real quick just kind of setting up the show for today some of you might be a little bit confused that we're starting uh that we're we're talking a little basketball right off the top in case you missed it yesterday was actually Tennessee uh Tennessee men men's basketball's media day here in Knoxville so Ryan and I both got to be down there at the facility we got to talk to the team talk to the coaches and get to watch practice as well so coming up later in the show about second half of the show we're going to get into some of those early reactions to the Tennessee basketball practice uh early reactions to Tennessee's media day some of those interviews and all of that but like you said Ryan in the meantime man we got a top 25 college football game to get to and this is actually going to be the only top 25 SEC game on the slate this weekend. Yeah, that's right, and uh, I think the people down at LSU would, would like to remind you that, given the fact that it is a uh, 11 a.m. local <laughs> time kickoff and a uh, program that's used to playing a lot of night games and really probably plays less, at least less SEC games at 11 a.m. more than or less than any other team in the conference. Uh, has one of our biggest games of the year in that slot, and they yeah. they like to, like to tell you about it. Yeah, absolutely, and we know that Tennessee does get a little bit of a uh, – just a little lucky with with the scheduling because, again, you don't want that game to – if you're Tennessee, you do not want that game to be a night game. Even if you're traveling, you want to be there for a good environment. I think taking a step back and looking at the team, looking at the season, yeah, you want to put that in an advantageous position. I, I go back to just off the top of my head, was it 2019 Auburn? Obviously, there's a, there's a lot different between this matchup and these teams, but just, you know, that kind of goes to say an early 11 a.m. game against an SEC West opponent, against an opponent that isn't too familiar with you. Tennessee was able to go in and win that game as the road team. It's what they're going to obviously be trying to do this weekend as well. Now, before I came to Tennessee, you know, as you know, Ryan, I, I lived in Dallas and 
I spent a long time with those uh, eight you know, with those eleven a.m. kickoffs. I know you did as well, being in Nashville with the yep. Central Time. It's not easy. It's not easy to wake up and get amped for those games. Obviously, these players are able to do it, but that's certainly going to be a big thing. Coach Heupel talked about it this week on Monday. He said, "Hey, look, if you ask any coach in the nation." They'll say, get us on the field as quickly as possible. He's fired up about the morning matchup. But what do you? What, what are just kind of some of your early thoughts on this game uh, between Tennessee and LSU? I think it's an interesting matchup because it's, in a lot of ways, best on best and then bad on bad. With, yeah. Where LSU's offense has struggled, and really especially their passing game has struggled, and Tennessee's defense has struggled, and especially their secondary and their pass defense has struggled. and. You know LSU's defense uh, is definitely a strength of the team. I don't, you know, I don't know exactly what what to make of it because you know they've played three you know real tests at this point in the Florida State game. It was kind of shaky. You know, the numbers don't look great from LSU from that game, but it wasn't overall terrible. They just struggled to get off the field on third downs, which we obviously know is a, a big part of defense as we you know watched Tennessee last year and how much they struggled to get off the field sure. on third downs. And then in the Mississippi State game, that def- and that you know that's the team that's. LSU's played that's most like Tennessee with what they do offensively is Mississippi State, and LSU's defense played really, really well in that game. And then they go on the road last week to a bad Auburn team and an even worse Auburn offense and a what's really a pretty pitiful Auburn passing game. And they gave up a lot of big plays, and you feel like, man, if these guys these guys were really good about limiting good plays against Mississippi State and then really bad against a bad Auburn offense with, that had its backup quarterback in and Robbie Ashford. So I, there's a little bit of I don't know what to make of LSU and their LSU's defense and specifically its past defense, which was a big question mark coming into this year. They have a lot of newcomers, a lot of transfers uh, that are playing uh, a lot of snaps for them in the back end. Yeah, you know, I think even looking at that Auburn game from last weekend, you know, yes, you see that LSU's defense came away with four turnovers, but it was still a tough game, especially for their secondary. There were communication breakdowns. There were mental errors along the way. So I certainly think the downfield passing game is going to be open for Tennessee. I think that's something that they can take advantage of, uh, and that's something that I would like to see them do, obviously, work down the field with that passing game. Um, one of the other things that we know that's going to be important with that is what LSU is going to try to do with that secondary. Coach Heupel talked about it on Monday. He said, you know, a lot of the times you see some press man from that secondary. When they when they show that, it's really going to be up to Hendon Hooker and the wide receivers to identify those rotations, to identify those spots, figure out where those guys are going to be during the play. Now, aside from that, they might also rotate down into some man-to-man coverage. And that, as we know, it's just up to a one-on-one battle to win, right? That's where Tennessee goes out, and they, they trust their receivers to go make plays with their quarterback. But I think that's going to be some of what you see from the LSU secondary. Maybe some switching of formations, some some variation in their coverages, but could be a lot of that press man, man-to-man coverage. It could be, and, you know, it's this is a man-to-man football league, the SEC is. And, you know, LSU has a lot of new pieces, and obviously Brian Kelly is not from the SEC. So there's reason that they maybe run less man that Tennessee's going to see down the road against an Alabama or Kentucky or a Georgia teams that play very significantly uh, man coverage. So I think that'll be an interesting matchup, and uh, I think it'll certainly, like you said, it'll be something that LSU can maybe throw at teams that, and mixing things up can confuse quarterbacks or, or keep an offense out, out of rhythm, and that's going to be a main focus for this game is if LSU can get Tennessee's passing attack uh, out of rhythm. But obviously Josh Heupel knows how to attack uh, both those things, and Hinton Hooker is really really sharp at reading what he's seeing and making good decisions. And, and you know you hear it all the time, not just from Josh Heupel, but any coach talking about their quarterback, getting your eyes in the right spot. And, and it seems like 
Hooker is is locked in, and really those two guys are in as in sync as they can be. So it's going to be uh, certainly a challenge, but I think at the end of the day, this Tennessee offense and this Tennessee passing attack is going to have a strong game, especially if they can protect up front. Because to me, that's just the biggest strength of LSU's defense is what their defensive line can do, what their pass rush can do. And Tennessee's offensive line, especially in pass protection, has been pretty good this year. But you saw at times in that Pittsburgh game where not that it was always sacks, but pressure and penetration up the middle especially Hurries. yeah, was able to kind of just throw Tennessee off of a rhythm, whereas against Florida, Florida did not get much pass rush at all uh, against Tennessee. I mean, it was a really, really good game from Tennessee's offensive line pass protecting, and in that case, Hinton Hooker was in rhythm really from, from start to end. Okay, so sticking along those lines then, how, how do you feel about Ramel Keaton? It, it, you know, kind of being that third receiver for Tennessee in the absence of Cedric Tillman. Yeah, and I think he's performed really well against Florida and I think you have to have yeah. have to have confidence in what he did and what does that look like on Saturday how much do they they trust him how much do they want to get the ball to him as opposed to really targeting Brew McCoy and this is all of course assuming Cedric Tillman doesn't play which we don't know 100% but it does seem to be trending in that direction uh, so I think it's an, another opportunity for Mel Keaton to really continue to prove himself because I think if Mel Keaton does you know take out the incredible plays, but he, you know, he makes, he made, even outside of that incredible diving catch, he made, you know, three to four nice big plays in that game that were important. If he does something like that again, uh, I think you kind of get yourself in a position where even when Cedric Tillman comes back, that Ramel Keaton has demanded that he play, and he is still a part of the yeah, rotation, yeah. and whether, you know, that'd probably be more with taking some of Brew McCoy's snaps, but uh, if Keaton plays again, again, plays like he did against Florida, I think he's not only going to carve himself out a role when a player or receiver is hurt, but someone who's going to be in the lineup just about every game. Yeah, I mean, I think that Keaton's production is going to be very important for Tennessee. Just going back to Coach Brian Kelly's Monday morning press conference, he he was kind of going through the Tennessee offense, naming players individually, talked about Hendon Hooker, talked about Cedric Tillman. Even though he's out, he said that he was an alpha when he's out there on the field. Talked about Jalen Hyatt being an elite slot guy and a big-bodied guy in Brew McCoy. So I think that tells you right there that hey, they're going to be prepared. They know that Hyatt and Brew McCoy are going to be Tennessee's really one-two punch when it comes to the receivers if Tillman's not out there. But I think like what you're saying, Mel Keaton's production against Florida kind of makes you you know, hone in on him a little bit more, focus in on that and saying that, hey, no, we, we really got to focus on all three of these receivers. We can see that Keaton, you know, obviously was able to find that production against Florida. Now, one of the only other things that I, I was thinking about when I think about Auburn's defense is, or excuse me, LSU's defense, going back to that Auburn game. There were times where against Auburn, LSU's defense came up with an important plays when they needed it most, especially late in the game, few critical stops, a few key plays that they were able to do that. But that was in a game that was ultimately decided within a, a three-touchdown range. I think, what was the final score of that game? Somewhere around seven or 21 to 17, something along those lines. Tennessee is a completely different animal. I think that L, excuse me, LSU can still have big critical key plays and stops throughout the game, but, man, this isn't a Tennessee team that's going to be hovering around that 17 to 21 point mark. I, I think this is a Tennessee team that we're going to see perform like they have in the past this year, get up into the 30s. So I, I just think that while Auburn will be – or excuse me, I keep going back and forth because their game last week. While LSU will be able to provide Tennessee with a challenge on defense, and they got good players such as a B.J. Ojolari, nonetheless, I think that Tennessee's offense is still so overwhelming that I, I think for four quarters that's the strength of this game, and I think – that's why Tennessee wins if they do. Just an overwhelming offense once again. 
Yeah, former Tennessee commit, B.J. Ojolari. That's yeah, right. That, That's uh, right. Short-term commit, I believe, maybe just a month or so. But uh, a former Vol commit under Jeremy Pruitt, nonetheless. And you're right, he's a, he's a really good player. And I think you make a really good point because LSU has had these comeback wins this year against Mississippi State. And obviously they came back and still lost against Florida State. But they came back and should have tied the game. They missed yep. an extra point yep. uh, that would have tied the game in the final seconds. So, uh I forgot how just wild of a game that was to start the college football season. Yeah, it really was. And obviously the Florida State had fumbled it down at the goal line to even give LSU that opportunity. But I think Tennessee's offense, is like you just said, it's going to make a comeback harder on LSU. And I think really when you, you look at this game, and I think Tennessee just needs to avoid what ha- Tennessee's defense needs to avoid what happened against Florida. Do not let a passing attack that hasn't been very good kill you because that's the if Tennessee's secondary plays even in the realm like they did uh, in that Florida game, it's just going to be hard to really put a team away uh, because they just gave up a lot of chunk plays through the air. and Not a lot of massive plays, but a lot of 20- to 30-yard plays in, in that game. So I think that's a huge huge thing to look at. And, uh, you know, Jaden Daniels, I mean, Brian Kelly talked about it this week, that he's got to trust his receivers more. He's got to let it rip. And it kind of almost a little bit reminded me of how Mike Rabel talked about uh, Malik Willis in the preseason uh, because he's not taking the risk and showing trust in his receivers. And this is an LSU passing attack that's been really poor this year. Uh, they threw for just 85 yards in that game against Auburn, only five yards in the second half. They won a game that I believe they were trailing at halftime. It was real tight at halftime, and they threw for five yards in the second <laughs> half. And we've seen Tennessee's <laughs> run defense be pretty good this year uh, outside of the one long run they gave up against Pittsburgh. So uh, I think it's kind of uh, – very easily moved object meets a very weak force kind of situation. <laughs> Something's got to give uh, between t- LSU's passing attack and Tennessee's secondary. And I think if Tennessee's secondary can just play like they're capable of, which isn't great, that doesn't mean they're just, that doesn't mean they're going to hold LSU to 85 yards, but not give up over 300 yards passing. Uh, I have a hard time seeing LSU having enough offense to keep up with Tennessee. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying there. And you know, when you think about what kind of just offense and, and the points that LSU is going to put on the board. Here's an interesting trend that I do think that Tennessee can take advantage of in this game. LSU's offense has not been great early on in these games, particularly in the first quarter. LSU's offense had three first quarter points against uh, Florida State. They had zero first quarter points against Mississippi State. And they had zero uh, zero first quarter points against Auburn as well. Meanwhile, Tennessee's offense has been good, I I think, in the first half. Obviously, you know, Tennessee hasn't had a Missouri or South Carolina from last year where they score seemingly all of their points right there in the first quarter, but it has been good. They scored 24 first-half points against Pittsburgh, 17 first-half points against Florida. We know that Tennessee's offense is one that wants to strike first and strike hard. It's almost that it's almost that Cobra Kai mantra, right? They want to strike first and strike hard. I think if, that if Tennessee's able to do that in this game, especially with LSU's kind of uh, troubles, if you will, in in those early portions of the game, I think that's something that Tennessee wants to take advantage of and I think could be a, a big impact thing in this game. It definitely could. And it, you know, it's kind of one of those things that goes both ways because you look at the way LSU's roster is constructed and it's not a team constructed to play from behind. But they have been good playing from behind this year. But I still think it just goes back to what we said. It, Tennessee's offense I don't think is going to throw – if Tennessee gets up big, I don't think Tennessee's offense will throw LSU to lifelines that maybe some other teams have this year. Sure, uh, Certainly Mississippi State and Auburn come to mind, and I think Florida State game was probably more self-inflicted wounds by Florida State rather than them just struggling to move the ball uh, offensively. So you're right, and another thing I would just point out about this game is, and we were texting about it 
last week during the LSU-Auburn game is that that game couldn't have gone much better for Tennessee. LSU, very physical, very emotional game. Uh, right down to the wire, your quarterback, Jane Daniels, we haven't even mentioned it really. I mean, we've mentioned his struggles throwing the ball. Very good runner. Yep. Uh, another strong running quarterback. He exits the game uh, with a knee injury. Nothing super serious, but that's back-to-back weeks. He came, he exited uh, the week before, I believe, against New Mexico with a lower back injury. And, and again, none of these things were super serious, and they're not keeping him out. But it does keep him limited, and it does caution how much LSU is going to want him to get hit. And I think that's really beneficial for Tennessee, and uh, and then the fact that LSU still won the game, it, LSU's not going to be in desperation mode uh, either. I mean, this is certainly a game that they would love to have and, and would be a real kind of game changer for their season to s- still be at 3-0 and in SEC play, but they're not desperate. They got by Mississippi State in a game that was a really t- pretty similar point spread to, I think, this game. LSU was at home and about three-point underdogs. Uh, they got a win there, and then obviously they survived against Auburn last week. And then at, you know, at the same time, Tennessee was sitting at home, being able to get rested up and, and – yeah. Uh, Josh Heupel's teams have been good coming off buys in his both. They beat Kentucky last year uh, coming off Tennessee's bye week, and then when he was at UCF, uh, they the, the Knights were pretty good coming off of bye weeks. So uh, I think a lot of factors in this game set up well for Tennessee. Yeah, and I would be I would be more concerned with the letdown happening last week if the game was to be played then. I, I think, obviously, that's when you're coming right off the emotional win. That bye week, I, I do think, is going to prove to be very effective for Tennessee and just Given the given the team, given heck, given the fan base, just a little bit of time to settle down after that game, get refocused for this game. Uh, Ryan, to your point about Jaden Daniels, it's, it's kind of the the old adage. It reminded me of the best ability is availability, right? Like what you're saying, it's not that he's going down super injured every game, but he's not necessarily completing each game with that availability that he started it with. So that's certainly something to watch. A couple more notes on, on just this that side of the that side of the game, I guess. LSU's offense versus Tennessee's defense. They do have a pretty darn good running back room, and that's without their leading rusher on the year so far, Armani Goodwin. Uh, they got three guys who, who can really put it together. Noah Kane, Josh Williams, who's kind of their Mr. Do-Everything, and then John Emery Jr. Uh, I, I do not exactly know what kind of rotation those guys are going to get on, on Saturday uh, or, or the usage rate for each, but we do know that put those three guys combined, especially, again, in the absence of Armani Goodwin, uh, and that's a pretty good running back room. Tennessee's defensive line, who we've seen use a lot of guys, use a lot of depth, get those rotations in. They're going to have to be on their game. And uh, I would imagine that that rotation with the depth continues with LSU probably going to that running game quite a bit. You're right. And John Emery, I thought, looked really good last week. Probably his best game uh, See the of one the who, who broke off that touchdown run? Yeah, in the okay. second half. And yeah. I think this probably gives a good feel for just how deep that running back room is and how many different guys they use. You know, Jaden Daniels is the leading rusher by 122 yards. He, which, you know, maybe that's not a massive surprise, but even bigger than that, he is leads LSU in carries by 26 attempts. So he's got 60 carries, and then Goodwin, who is injured, not expected to play, 34, Noah Kane, 33, John Emery, 28, and Josh Williams, 28 as well. So it's also on that note real quick. They don't really use the running backs too much in the passing game. Now, I don't know if I don't know if any of those backs ha- have uh, ten individual receptions on the year. Now, when you add them up, you know, yeah, you get a decent little number, but it's not it's not necessarily anything that I think is a is going to be a strength of their offense. So maybe something to look for on Saturday as well. Yeah, Josh Williams has eight receptions on the year. He leads that group, uh, I believe. Looking at it, I think they got fourteen uh, combined catches, fifteen combined catches, and probably around 100 yards so you're right not a a huge factor in in the passing game and 
it's just a, it's a really fascinating thing to watch, really, I think, over the course of the year for LSU is how this passing game develops. And the fact that it has been made such an emphasis this week, and I even saw um, where oh, – I'm blanking on his name uh, – guy who works for the Baton Rouge paper who talked to me this week for the story. He had a story today talking about how they had Jaden Daniels hosted a closed-door meeting with him and the receivers to kind of fix the passing game. Wilson Alexander, uh, shout-out Wilson, gave me a lot of good stuff previewing this game, and, and he was talking about that. So there's kind of – there's a lot more potential in that LSU passing game than it has been they've lived up to at this point, and it kind of seems like in a lot of ways it's coming – at least as a talking point, it's coming to a head this week entering this game. And I mean, you go back in, uh, you look at the guy who was Kayshawn Bowdy, who was all SEC preseason, yep. uh, first team over Cedric Tillman. And granted, he didn't play one of the games uh, due to the birth of his son or daughter, birth of his uh, first kid. I believe it was the Louisiana game he didn't play in. But at this point in the season, he's got 11 catches for 97 yards. I mean, that's about, those were less than the numbers that Cedric Tillman had in that Pittsburgh game. So he's. Hasn't had a big year to this point, but we know that talent is there. We've seen him have really good seasons, especially 2020 during the COVID season. He had a massive year. So there is more out there for this LSU passing attack, and it feels like at some point this season, not that they're going to turn into Tennessee, not that they're going to turn into Mississippi State, but they're going to improve off of what they've been the first month of the year. And certainly with Tennessee's struggles, uh, in the secondary, I think that's something to watch. Yeah, you know that's that's also really the last kind of point I had uh, for this whole thing. Kayshawn Booty had one reception for four yards last week. I, I think that is, to me, that's the kind of line that you look at and they say, okay, they're going to want to get him more involved this week for sure. So that could be one. Uh, and then again, their their um, their freshman tight end Mason Taylor. They went to him a lot last week, but it, I don't think it was as productive maybe as they wanted it to be. So maybe you see them slide back on that more towards booty a little bit. But, you know, earlier today I was looking at Todd McShay's top 32 NFL draft project uh, prospects from ESPN. Cedric Tillman, Tennessee's wide receiver, lands at number 21. Kayshawn lands just, what would that be, four spots ahead of him at number 17. So these are two guys who, who are, you know, Obviously, very highly tatted wide receivers in the SEC will be very important players for the for their teams for the whole year. But obviously, Cedric Tillman trying to get back from injury. Booty on the LSU side, they're just trying to get him more involved in this offense. Going to be interesting to see how how, uh, how LSU's offense impacts that game. But um, it's, nonetheless, I, I think just kind of wrapping things up, I do think this is a, a game that Tennessee wins. I, I think that Tennessee has every opportunity to win. And again, I, I feel like a broken record at this point, but just because of that overwhelming offense. I think that, yes, LSU's defense is going to provide a little bit of a challenge here and there. I think they're going to provide good stops and good plays, but this is just an overwhelming offense that can really put up points on the board. I don't think that LSU's offense can match those points either. It, maybe if it's one of those, you know, get to 35 and, and they can't get there uh, on their side, but I do, the see, I do see this game being a win for Tennessee. I'm the same way, and, I, you know, it's maybe even a little too – too high on Tennessee because I think they win this game, you know, cover to spread easily. I think they win by two touchdowns. It just kind of feels like a game that kind of feel like a lot is going to click for Tennessee, and they haven't played their best to date this year, and I think this has a great chance to be their best. There's just a lot of factors in this game that I think combine and work really well for Tennessee, yeah. and I guess the one last thing I would add on it is, and again, I haven't watched every second of every LSU game this year, but watching that Auburn game last week, Auburn's pass rush had a really strong day. I think three sacks and a lot of pressure. So uh, I think so much of Tennessee's, their ability to have success defensively depends on what Tyler Barron and Byron Young can do to get after the passer. And I think this is certainly a game that 
uh, presents a lot of opportunities for those guys. And, you know, once again, Jaden Daniels is banged up. If Tennessee, uh, I expect him to be aggressive defensively with some blitzes. And if they can, you know, hit Jaden Daniels and make him uncomfortable early, uh, I think that will bode really well for them. Coming up this Saturday at 11 a.m. Central Time, 12 noon Eastern Time, Tennessee will be looking for their first win over LSU and their first win in Baton Rouge since 2005. Can kind of put that in the closet and shut it away. Hey, Ryan and I are going to be heading up there this uh, this weekend, so we will be in Baton Rouge if you're down there. We'd love to say hi as well. Also, if you have any good recommendations for Baton Rouge, we would love to know. I think we do have a couple of uh, tourists who are going to be well, we're the tourists. I think we have a couple of locals, that's what I meant to say, who are going to be showing us around throughout the weekend. But nonetheless, if you got any great recommendations, please send us our way. All right, we're going to take a quick break right here, but then come back on the other side. We mentioned at the top of the show, we're going to be talking about our some of our early reactions to Tennessee basketball's first practice on the court yesterday in Knoxville. Don't go anywhere. It's coming up next. We'll be right back. And now, back to the show. All right, and here we go. Welcome back to the Rocky Top Insider Press Pass. Rick Butler, Ryan Shumpert, obviously talking a little Tennessee athletics here on a beautiful Wednesday afternoon in Knoxville. Just finished wrapping up our Tennessee football conversation. Got a big top 25 game in Baton Rouge against LSU coming up this weekend. But like we talked about at the beginning of the show, yesterday kind of started getting the ball rolling on basketball season. Man, it's going to be here before we know it. I mean, even... Ryan, I believe next week, correct me if I'm wrong here, but that will be the full SEC Basketball Media Days. Is that correct? I think two weeks. Two uh, two weeks from today. It's two, yeah. It's one okay, there you today. go. So two weeks from today. So it's all coming up super, super fast. But again, we talked about it, you know, yesterday was Tennessee's uh, Media Day in Knoxville. So we got a chance to talk to some of the players, got a chance to talk to some of the coaches, got a chance to see this team on the court. And really, we were fortunate in what we got to see. It was a lot of kind of scrimmage-type situations. Yeah, it was. Basically all – it wasn't going up and down the whole time like, a you know, a, what you would normally think of as a scrimmage, but 5v5 the whole five time. 5v5. Five. And, and a, a lot of getting up and down too. So it was – it's always an, a breath of fresh air. You get kind of get into October where we've been through August, we've been through fall camp where we get to watch 15 minutes of practice in football, and it's like, oh, my gosh, it's, we've been watching nothing. Right. And then you get to basketball, and we – you know, it's in the preseason and really the whole season. It's about once a week we get to watch full practice, which is really nice, and then you also get in the fall baseball where, you know, Tony is great. You can basically show up and watch practice whenever you want. So it's nice. It's a nice kind of breath of fresh air to watch a full practice of uh, basketball and then kind of the same way uh, with baseball as they start getting into some scrimmages. You know, one of the biggest takeaways to me, just first and foremost, and there's a lot to get into about this basketball team. We won't get to all of it, obviously, today, but there's there's certainly a lot to talk about. One of the first things that stood out to me was just the amount of newcomers in the room. I, I think when you talk about just the, some of the guys that Tennessee brought in, I think some of the faces that are not here anymore, maybe like a John Fulkerson, I think first and foremost. It's been a long time since that face isn't here. I, that's exactly what I said to, to Josiah. So I said, hey. It's been a long time since John Fulkerson was not starting a season with Tennessee. Just kind of what is that like? And, you know, Josiah's answer was interesting, just saying that, hey, that has been a very consistent presence for our team. He's been a a role model to a lot of people, a friend to a lot of people, a a brotherly figure to a lot of people, but he's not here anymore. So leadership going to be a thing that that a lot of guys are going to have to step up and kind of fill some of these roles for Tennessee next year. Um, But, again, as as we were just talking about, we had the practice as well. What do you want to start with? Just some of the interviews, some of the some of the conversations that you had, or some of the stuff that you saw on the court? 
Either one's good with me. I think a lot of it kind of loops into both, and I guess I'll just take the lead with Tyreek Key. And I thought, you know, talked to Justin Gay, the associate head coach, and Rod Clark, another assistant coach, and I thought probably got the most candid answers of anything uh, about Tyreek Key, and you could just sense the excitement. It was almost like they wanted, they were kind of hesitant. They didn't want to say too much. They didn't want to go all in, but. You know, I think I asked both of those guys just very simple, like, what does Tyreek bring to this team? And there was almost kind of like a pause, and then he's a bucket. Like, he can score the basketball. And yeah. I think we saw a lot of that from him yesterday. And I think one of my big questions with him was, you know, you look at his three last three seasons at Indiana State, and obviously he didn't play last year, and he had rapidly different three-point percentages. I think he shot about 44% one year. He shot about 39% one year. And in his last year, he shot 32%. I mean, massive changes. And it was kind of like, what? And I asked I asked Tyreek, I said, what What would you say caused that? And he said he thought after his sophomore year is when his right shoulder, uh, it was kind of starting to bother him. And that's why he missed all last year. He had a shoulder surgery and didn't play. And he says he's felt as good as he's felt since he's been in college. And you have you saw that watching him. I mean, his shot is really, really pretty. And I thought he shot the ball really well uh, yesterday. And obviously, that's just one day at practice. And uh, it's not everything. But I think you could see that there's a lot of confidence that he's going to be more like the guy that shot 40%. That doesn't mean he's going to shoot 40% from three. But he's uh, there's a lot more confidence there. And then, you know, I think – Maybe one thing that was just a big question about him is he's transitioning. He's a good scorer. He could get to the basket. He could get fouled. But is he athletic enough to do that in the SEC? It's different doing that in the Missouri Valley Conference. Sure. And he was never a big recruit coming out of high school, probably in a large part. His athleticism, I think, is what held him back. And I don't think he's the quickest or the shiftiest guy. He's not – and obviously he doesn't play the same position. He's not as a Kai or a Kennedy that just has that – quick first step that just can blow past you but uh, I thought he his athleticism was was better than I thought I mean he has some serious ups that I was I didn't really think he had he caught one alley-oop from uh Vescovy that really wasn't that great of a pass and he kind of caught it down below his waist and brought it up and dunked it and then just really crafty uh, I think in his ability to kind of score in that kind of five to fifteen uh foot range from the basket and even Rod Clark told me that he said, you know, last year we had so many times where we'd get on these offensive droughts and we just didn't feel like we had a guy we could throw the ball to and could get us a bucket. And he said, we kind of feel like Tyreek is that type of guy. So uh, a lot of optimism around him. And I thought he looked good yesterday. I mean, the one thing I would say is maybe a caveat is that since Zakai Ziegler is really the only point guard on this roster, I think they're going to ask him to play a good bit of point guard. And I think that's still a learning experience. And you kind of saw that yesterday when Barnes was getting on him. That's typically what he was getting on about is struggles taking care of the ball or kind of getting Tennessee set up in their offense. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think especially when you talk about Key and just what he he brings to the table for this Tennessee team, I think that experience, right, it's not just a a very talented freshman who, who, you know, we'll get into one of those here in a minute, but it's not just a, a very talented freshman who's coming to this roster. It's a guy who who is battle-tested, right, who who does have this ability, uh, excuse me, who, who does have the experience and the awareness of playing games in college basketball before. So I, I think that, you know, probably all of those things kind of mesh together. I, to me, I'd imagine that that's where some of the excitement talking about, you know, talking to the assistant coaches comes from. Like, you know, they're dealing with a guy who, who's coming in already kind of acting, you know, like he's been there before, like he knows what he's doing. And he's obviously here for a for a goal and for a reason. But we just talked about it. One of the other newcomers that, that certainly I think you and I both had our eyes on was former five-star freshman Julian Phillips. What did you think about his day? Yeah, I think you're right that that was certainly a guy to watch. But at the same time, 
he kind of could just kind kind of blended in, and I kind of forgot about him at, yeah. at times. And I think you know some people might hear that as a bad thing. And I think the best thing I could say about him is Rick Barnes. I can remember one time he yelled at him yesterday, and freshmen at practice are getting yelled at a lot by Rick Barnes for not doing what they're supposed to do. Yeah. And certainly it's different because Kennedy Chandler was running Tennessee's offense, and there was so much that Rick Barnes was putting on ten- or Kennedy Chandler's shoulders uh, this time last year. But constantly, you know, Barnes was on Kennedy Chandler, and he had to be. He was the guy that running the offense, and that really didn't happen uh, yesterday. And uh, that just kind of showed to me that a lot of what Rick Barnes has said about him coming in, being coachable, being a really hard worker, being really serious – just showed up. He very clearly knew what he was supposed to be doing. And again, I, the only time that Barnes really got on him was for something defensively. Uh, and, you know, he made it very pointed that they were the point of the play that he called was to go at Julian Phillips and, you know, his the test is defense. So uh, his three point shot, I thought, looked good. He scored. You know, he's got crazy. He just looks like an NBA wing uh, he does. with his side. I mean, his his I want to know what his wingspan is. And, I'm, and as much as Rick Barnes talked about Kennedy Chandler's wingspan last year, I imagine they'll probably start talking about Julian Phillips <laughs> at some point because he's got some long, long arms and a good looking shot. He scored on some cuts to the basket. Uh, I think, you know, defensively, it's still to be determined how well he's going to be able to hold up. And uh, I think my question would be how much can he be a guy that creates his own offense because I don't think he's going to be a guy that beats defenders off the dribble a lot and he is more of a small forward despite having power forward size he's more of a small forward and he doesn't really have a back to the basket game so there's certainly a lot of really good of what he can do offensively I just yesterday we just didn't see a ton of him creating and I think that's going to be something that's fun and interesting to watch as preseason develops and they get into the season as well. You know, Olivia Kamal was back on the court for Tennessee yesterday after missing a, a large part of the late uh, last part of the season due to a season-ending injury last year. He was back on the court for Tennessee, and you know he, he's coming off of a little bit of international play back with his uh, back with the, uh, the team of his home country. You know, you, you and I both talked to him about that yesterday. Just kind of, hey, what experience went into that, and and just. How important was it for you to get back on the court and in that kind of environment, you know, in front of your – he talked about it. He said, hey, playing in front of my mom, right, back in her home country was an incredible thing, and I've taken all this experience and, and all of that um, – I guess experience the word. But just I'm taking all of that and I'm bringing it back to Tennessee with me as he returns to the court. Now, I say all that just say because there were times where I was watching practice yesterday and, you know, Phillips or, or Kamwa or just, you know, these guys would be running around the floor and sometimes – I get lost on, on who is who, and like what you were saying, there were just times where Phillips was blending into the to the guys as they were just playing basketball out there, and, and I think he did look impressive. Uh, I think he's got a great starting point where he's uh, coming into his Tennessee career as, but you can see it. I think Tennessee's got playmakers. One of the big things that I took away from yesterday, mainly during Rick Barnes's press conference, was uh, two things. I think, number one, he talked about this team wanting to play fast, right? They, they're t- maybe taking a couple of notes and pointers from Josh Heupel in the Tennessee football offense saying, hey, they're going really fast. Maybe we can do that as well, right? And, and so he talked about that, and we talked to some of the players about that. Um, but the other thing that he was talking about was we know that last year Tennessee took a lot of three-pointers. They were a good three-point uh, three shooting team. Rick Barnes said that this year it's going to be as much, if not more, three-pointers. Did that kind of surprise you? Did that excite you? What, what was your reaction when you heard that? No, that's what I expected because okay. I think that's how the roster is built. And had the, I think they're solid down low. They're not bad, but it's not a lot of playmakers. It's not a lot of difference makers down there. And, and your best players are your guards and your wings who are good three-point shooters. So no, that didn't overly surprise me. And I think when you look at 
I think Tennessee has three big men that they feel pretty good about right now, and Olivier, and then Jonas Adu, and then obviously Yuris Plavsic, and I think you just have so much versatility on this team. We know Josiah can play uh, the four, and I think Julian Phillips certainly we'll have to see him tested a little bit defensively to know how much he can hold up, but I certainly think he's going to have the capability to hold up and play the four. And really, Tennessee, I think that's maybe what's exciting about this team is from a matchup standpoint, from a versatility standpoint, is Tennessee didn't really lean into those four-guard lineups until Olivier got hurt in what I believe was early February. And that's when Tennessee was at its best, when they said, yeah, we are really dynamic offensively when we play four guards. We can hold up defensively because of – and that's why Josiah was just so important to last year's team and will be so important to this year's team because he's just such a Swiss Army knife on the defensive end of the court. And I think they know that from the start. And we've heard, I mean, Barnes even talked about they've run some five-guard lineups that they've been yeah. uh, tinkering with. So Playing with that in practice. I think that they kind of see the potential uh, that they have when they play small and uh, what that does for them offensively and how much more difficult it is to guard, defend Tennessee when they do that. So I think that's kind of the exciting thing that it seems like they're leaning into that uh, to start the season where last year it was kind of adjustment on the fly as they got into February. And I don't want to say that was the only reason or even that was the main reason, but I certainly think that was a reason you saw Tennessee start playing its best basketball towards the end of the season. Yeah, I'm I'm very excited to see just kind of what, what formations, what schemes, what concepts Tennessee's going to come up with both on offense and defense. Just knowing that, hey, they do want to switch things up a little bit. They do want to be playing to these players' strengths. And they have a couple of experienced veterans who they are able to do that with, who are smart basketball players, who, who can be fluid and evolve and adapt to what's around them. Right? I, you know, we don't need to talk about it too much, but Santiago Vescovi, Josiah Jordan-James, some of these other veterans on Tennessee's teams you expect to be the big playmakers for Tennessee this year. They're on the court. They look good. Um, but any kind of final takeaways from anybody that, anybody that you saw on the court yesterday? Nothing shocking here, and it wasn't really starters versus backups in the scrimmage, but I certainly think you know one team had Tyree Key, uh, Vescovi, Josiah, and granted Josiah, he was not injured. I don't want to indicate that he was, not even banged up, I don't think, but I think they were giving him a little bit of a rest day, and that makes sense because it's going to be a long season, and sure. he's going <laughs> to log a lot of minutes. And he did, he was part of the scrimmage some, but he wasn't out there a ton, a ton. So that was kind of you know the team you would expect to win, and then the other team... Uh, you had Sky Ziegler, Jemai Meshack, B.J. Edwards, uh, Olivier, and then Euros were kind of the, the five main guys. And that team won by 10, 12 points, uh, I think, in scrimmage. And Zakai was the best player on the court. I mean, Nearly he, 20. Yeah, and he was the best player on the court. And he he looks even better than he did last year. He looks more comfortable when he gets uh, in the, past his man and he sees the help defense coming. I thought he had a really nice, really impressive day. And you just kind of saw it, like his – Everyone talks about he's the same guy every day. His fire that you see in games is there every day in practice, and you kind of saw that. He was stuck with, and again, I don't want to say it was starters versus backups because it wasn't, but I thought he was stuck with the worst uh, team in the scrimmage, and he was by far the best player on the court and kind of carried that team to a win. I had a pretty good visual put in my head yesterday by Zakai, and uh, they were talking about their their team paintball trip that they went on sometime over the summer, sometime before the season, but there were a lot of guys who were pointing at Zakai as – you know, honestly, the, the the most annoying to play paintball against. And, and I would ask them all why. And so Josiah in specific said, you know, because he's just reckless and you lose sight of him, right? <laughs> you're scanning the, small target. You're scanning the battlefield and you see him behind a, you know, a big robust trash can or something. And then all of a sudden he's on the other side of the map behind a tree, right? So I, 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 could, I was just trying to, you know, imagine or trying to picture just – Zakai running around under all these obstacles, you know, not being seen. And then, of course, I had to ask him about that. And he said, hey, 
It's just the way that you got to do it. If they can't see, or if you can't see them, they can't see you. <laughs> That's the way that you got to play. And so I felt like that was a, I felt like that was a pretty good uh, visual that, that I was trying to at least figure out based on all of these stories being put together. But in case anybody had any bets on it out there, uh, I, I doubt it. But in case anybody did. Sounds like Zakai's maybe the best paintball player on Tennessee's basketball team. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. <laughs> Wait, you got it? You ready to wrap it up? Shout outs? Let's do it. Shout outs. You got any? Go ahead. I will start. Shout out to the uniform decision makers at the University of Tennessee. We didn't do a podcast last week. Wow. But kudos to the Vols. They wore orange and white against Florida. I had almost just penciled them in to wear the smoky gray uniforms. Woo! And they wore the traditional home uniforms that will make. Uh, the game more enjoyable to watch in coming years when you remember one of Tennessee's wins over Florida. Uh, I like it wearing the uh, the rivalry, wearing the orange uniforms. And they're wearing smoky grays this week at LSU. As if you listen to this podcast frequently, you know I'm not a huge fan of the yeah, that's like uniforms. a that's like a last week shout out. Are you are you carrying over the shout yeah, out to well, this week? They just still they just still deserve the shout out. And we didn't have a podcast last week, so I didn't have a chance to shout them out. Okay. And you got it, you know, again, I'm not a huge fan. I hate that we, I think that Tennessee orange with that LSU white uniforms, beautiful uniform combination. We won't get to see that this weekend, but you got to make sacrifices. And you, you knew they were going to wear them at some point. It works out they wear at LSU. Wear the orange against Florida, wear the orange against Alabama, and I think they're going to do both those. You know, and it looked like uh, – I, I, I saw a little bit of discourse in this on Twitter. I, I, don't, I don't know if it's um, – the legitimacy of it. I guess I'd have to go back and look through pictures, but it did look like they got a lot of orange accessories. Orange the, sleeves. The sleeves, least, yeah. I think the the wristbands, the armbands, whatever bands, the, the the knee bands, the ankle bands, all the bands looked orange. So I do kind of like the orange accessories. I, I think those look cool and they pop. Yeah, I do too. I actually had a friend who I was coming, traveling back from some bi-week, uh, bi-week shenanigans down in Florida and was watching the Titans game with a friend and we were talking about how much we like the red sleeves that Jeffrey Simmons and some of the Titans defenders wear, how much do we think that pops? And we kind of thought it was the same way with uh, the orange sleeve and the gray uniforms. Yeah, so, I, I uh, think color, like, you know, colored accessories look cool. Yeah. I, I think when you can put a, a, you know, if you have the right color, a, a Tennessee orange, maybe like a royal blue, like you're saying, a, 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 a standout red, right? Yeah. If there's not a lot of other red, I think those look really cool. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I, I think that will be interesting to see, you know, how much, Players that do wear accessories, if it's it's very commonly orange. Obviously, that was just what the model was wearing when they released it. But uh, you know, uh, I can live with it. The gray, the gray in Baton Rouge, and then other shout out, shout out VFL Cam Sutton. He had an interception this last weekend in Pittsburgh's loss to the Jets. I believe that's who they played. Uh, he mat- has already matched four games in the season, has matched his career high in interceptions at two. So we'll see uh, what he can do the rest of the season. He also dropped an interception a couple weeks back, so he's been all around the ball this ball season. Ball hawking. He's been ball hawking. And really, he's played a lot in-, in Pittsburgh ever since he got drafted, but I think really these last two years have been him full-time starter. You know, if he's healthy, he's on the snap, he's on the field every single defensive play. So he is really blossoming it- blossoming into a, a high-level uh, NFL defensive back, so shout-out to him. In case you missed anything from today, and we did talk a lot about today. We, we talked about, you know, we talked to uh, LSU's The Advocates, Wilson Alexander. He kind of gave us a preview for this Tennessee LSU game. We talked about some of our practice observations from Tennessee basketball yesterday, and we talked about some of the highlights from Tennessee's basketball practice. Man, if you want to go and look through all of this, I mean, I'm talking our highlight videos, our interviews, uh, our observations, and everything in between, you can go and find all of that. All of what we were talking about today over on RockyTopInsider.com. But don't stop there. 
Make sure you're following Rocket Top Insider on all the different platforms to stay up to date with your Tennessee news, notes, and coverage. That'll be at Rocky Top Insider on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and what's the last one? TikTok. TikTok. Hello, the modern age. TikTok, we are there for all those folks out there as well. So make sure you're following along with RTI and everything. Again, Ryan and I will be headed to Baton Rouge this weekend, so it's going to be fun. We will be there. Stay tuned for all of that and more. If you want to follow Ryan on Twitter, you can do that at rshump00. If you want to follow myself, you can do that at rick underscore butler. But again, make sure you're following Rocky Top Insider for all of your Tennessee news, notes, and coverage. It's going to wrap it up for us today. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Rocky Top Insider Press Pass.